they're like, motherfuckers, you read this book and you're like, oh, I want to do that. And you're like, no, you're the bad guy in the book, that means. 8 a.m. Let's go. Steve stream 8 a.m. I missed a lot of it because I was sleeping. So it was good. Flip the light switch, you turn off the power for the house. Try not. Okay. All right, fine. I don't like it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was I, I appreciate the effort. Paste this, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> To show the true emotions of the podcast, 14 episodes in. Do we do we think we still want Steve on this? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Ride Around Podcast. A chance to step away from our own notebooks and into another's. My name is Steven and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Kate and Julie. Kate, what are we talking about today? Today's episode, Steve, is going to be about pacing. So getting back to some of our original episodes here, thank you for joining us on these past where we kind of dove into some of our, our own pieces, you know, finally got to see some of our own works of art. And we were excited to show that to you, but we want to go back to what the podcast was originally designed for. So pacing today, just talking about how fast we're going through scenes, how fast are we progressing a character's story arc and the story arc as a whole. So Julie, kind of get us started here. First thing that we're going to talk about is just what does pacing mean to each of us in a story? What do you like to see? What do you not like to see? So we'll start with Steve, I guess. For me, when I think of pacing, obviously like we're starting with like a, a starting point and an end goal. And you could easily just like kind of jump to there, but like the biggest part of a story is like the way you flow to it. And like, it has to be engaging, but it can't be super whiplashy to the point where it's kind of hard to follow. So it's how do you keep a story flowing in a coherent manner that's still at the same time entertaining and like enjoyable to read for the reader. What elements do you introduce to kind of keep things lively? How quickly to resolve things? Just how good of a flow do you maintain throughout the story? That's at least the way I think of pacing. Cade, what do you think? Pacing for me is I like to write horror and that's kind of what we saw in the last piece I just presented and some of the other pieces that I'm working on. And I think the best way to think about it is just when any horror movie that you've seen, I think it's all comes down to pacing. It's how fast are you getting to that climax, that jump scare or something like that. For instance, with a jump scare, you have those moments of buildup in a movie that's just pausing and it's how long is this going to happen? And I feel like so many times I'm like, I'm terrible at watching scary movies. I like look away and close my eyes a lot because I guess I don't know what that tells about me. But you have those moments where you'll like look away and then you're like, ah, it's not happening yet. I still hear like the suspense music building up and I don't know how they do it, but you will look away in the time that doesn't matter. You're like, it generates that level of fear where you're that in between time. So then when you're finally like, oh, it's been a long time, it's probably good now. Right. And then you're like, nope, fucking gotcha. And I think that really is what pacing is for me. It's that what points in the story do you want there to be the buildup and that gradual kind of development? And what points do you really want to kind of pull the trigger and make whatever you're trying to have happen, happen? And it's a, a delicate balance, I think, to tell a good story. Yeah, so I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. Um, the only other thing I would add is I think that sometimes, especially in writing, there's like a difference between how much time has actually passed in the story versus how much time Maybe the reader like feels like past. So that can even be attributed to the words you're using or like the structure you have going on in the story to kind of, you know, if it's a fast paced scene, are you using shorter words and shorter sentences like that kind of stuff? So yeah, I think you can make a lot with the actual words as well for how the pacing goes along, which I think is really interesting. And I'll probably talk more about that later. Yeah. And I, I agree hundred percent with that. It's all about that. I think grammar pulls such a big impact on pacing. Like even, not even mm -hmm. just vocabulary you're using, but also the, just like literally the punctuation. If you have a shorter kind of sentence structure, I'm sure I've meant this in the past because I feel like it's one of the only kind of writing elements that I have a decent understanding of. But if you have the shorter sentence structure as you're reading it, the way it kind of translates mentally as you're processing it is something quicker is happening. You're, you're getting shorter sentences. You're hearing a rush in what's happening in the character in the scene. Yeah, exactly. I've been trying to utilize that more in my own writing. So because I did not have a good grasp on that until relatively recently. So yeah, it, it's fun to write, isn't it? Like you said, oh, yeah. I think when I get to those scenes, that's when I start to feel more in like my element with something. And I guess yeah, we, we can get into it more because I think yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> that candle at nights. But I said I struggled with it the last time I tried. So 
good foundation there. Next thing, we're going to move on to an actual scene. So how does the pacing of a scene look for you and how do you think about it? So we'll start with Cade this time. Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to get into the example I was just bringing up then. So if you haven't listened to it, check it out. But I think maybe two episodes back, we shared my uh, rendition of the Right Around podcast's uh, Candlelit Nights. And in that episode, I talked about how one of the scenes that I struggled to write with was once he fully realized that something was off. So in this, he's getting a massage and he thinks everything is normal, uh, but opens his eyes and starts to see these like weird lights on the floor reflecting a image of some kind of like monstrous being who is giving him the massage. And from that point forward, he starts to kind of like run and he dashes through the massage parlor and out into the parking lot towards his car. And prior to that point, I'm doing a lot of imagery. I'm having this scene build up. So you're seeing a lot of descriptions as to what's the surrounding looking like. And now he's kind of sprinting through all of that. And I had a hard time writing that. I thought it was it was difficult to do because now I had to switch gears pretty rapidly from, you know, having kind of all the time in the world to talk about something to things are happening very quick. How do you translate that onto the page with still creating the scene? Because that's still important. You can't just like rush through something because then you just skipped over it. And whatever somebody's reading, that's the only thing that's going to translate. And I think that that just becomes the hard balance. Like sometimes you're like ready and like that scene that is going to be the kind of climax and build up is what's going to write smoothly because that's what you've been picturing. But I just thought it's kind of it, it was a struggle for me to to do that balance of quick versus slow writing. And I don't know if you guys have had similar kind of struggles with that pacing element. Yeah, I definitely feel like a climax is a hard point to get the pacing right because by its definition, the climax is like everything is coming to a head. And so you don't want to blow past the point you've been building up to. So you want to give enough information. You want to make sure like the imagery is very vivid for the reader. But at the same time, if you like linger on a moment, it stops being a moment. And now it's like a, an ordeal to kind of get through. And so you want to make sure like if you hit the, have the crash, it's like bombastic and it's like impactful enough that you give enough information that like, it sticks with the reader. But at the same time, you don't want to spend like too long lingering on it so now people are kind of losing sense of the context now they're just putting the effort to kind of get through this section you know you never want people to be bored with the climax so the pacing there is like always very important there's like this fight scene in my book and when i had someone was reading it one of the feedbacks was like it was supposed to be like a fast-paced fight scene but like i also added in like some of the thoughts of the main character. And then it was my sister who was reading it was saying like, well, if it's supposed to be fast paced, you have to think of yourself. If you were actually in that situation, like you're not going to stop and think about this thing. You're going to, you know, you're now in a battle. So I think, yeah, I, I think I maybe have like a little bit of the opposite problem. Like I might sometimes add too much to a thing that's supposed to be a fast paced thing. You know what I mean? Did you try to go back and correct some of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went back and like cut so much out <laughs> of the, the book in general. But yeah, in that scene specifically, cut that out and kind of had her then like I kind of just moved the thoughts like I moved them to like after the battle. Then she was like now considering what she had been during it. You know what I mean? So I think just like rearranging, rearranging it kind of helps too to keep like the scenes that you want to be fast, fast. And then also I think that helps add like sometimes you want a scene to be like longer. So if you want them to be like really considering something that's going on, you kind of need to add in more thoughts and more descriptions and that kind of can lengthen a scene out. So yeah, definitely a balance. I guess I'd like to see kind of like what you mean with that scene. Cause I think that's definitely it. I, I did cut out some stuff when I was doing the candlelit nights of the exact same thing. When you're considering something when, when you have the character kind of doing too much introspection into what's happening. Right. That removes some of the like reality of it. Steve, did you have anything else to add? Uh, not for Cades, but my thing is kind of like the scene I was going to describe is actually very similar to like an issue Cade was having, but it's not. It, it's about pacing during the climax. Um, I want to talk about the final scene in The Sunken Planet, if you guys remember that one. If you guys remember, like when I initially read the story, I was like, pretty happy with it. But the ending, I was very much not a fan of how it was resolved. And I, looking back, I think it was like a pacing issue where 
kind of info dump I was going with originally just stretched out the scene so much that it lost a lot of his like oomph, its impact. And so looking back at it, like there's like this big build up. Rio is now confronting like this elder who is has like in possession all this like knowledge that he's been seeking. And then when he gets the information, it's supposed to be like this impactful moment, like where his world is like kind of flipped on its head, and he's like, "Oh, actually, out there, there's this terrible force that is like bearing down upon us." But it's just so much information is like provided that it slows down and mucks up the kind of the climax of the story. So when I went back and I edited down the story, I was like, "I need this to punch. I need there to be enough information that like the reader realizes what's going on, but it's not so much so that they're like." Is this relevant? Do I need this to know? Do I need to know what this is? So it was very much like a exercise of making the scene bigger by chopping out a lot of the parts from it, basically. So you have like the long build up. He's got this interview, but the entire time there's like a game going on where there's two characters who are like secretly touching upon this thing that they know they shouldn't be, and then finally they reach the point where they're like, okay, let's get out with the secret. What's going on here? And then Elmanai reveals, I have what you're looking for. And so Rio is confronted with what he sees. It's confusing to him. This truth is revealed to him. And it's like, it just ends there. It's like a quick, a long buildup. And then he gets to where it is. And it's like, bam, and it ends. And so I very much enjoy the pacing of that more. Because it doesn't like linger at a point where the reader has time to kind of get comfortable with what's being told to them. You know, it becomes less, less mysterious in a way when it's like not paced properly. That's a great example, because I think that's something that we have actually on this podcast, a direct mm-hmm. comparison of what something sounds like before being edited with that pacing in mind and after. I think what we probably talk about in our editing episode and then yeah, in the actual exactly. episode. Mm-hmm. And it does. It sounds so much better at the end. It, I didn't even think it was necessarily bad when we first read it. Yeah, uh, exactly. It it's, it's this text, this chunk of text that gives you all the information you might ever desire for it. But yeah. is ultimately unnecessary for it. For what a climax is, it's a bit of a slog. You never want your your climax to be a slog. It can be a, a climax can be long, but that should be at the surface because like multiple things are coming to a head. When it's like one thing that's happening, it should have like its singular punch. It is like a single track story. It's not like multiple storylines are kind of like climaxing all at once, like coming to an intersection. It was information is being revealed, and that's what are you doing with this information basically so there was no need for it to like take as much space as it did so chopping it down i think gave it more weight i read this thing once that said for um it's best for scenes if you kind of enter the scene late and then leave the scene early so you're kind of not giving too much before too much after because then it can just seem like long and drawn out oh Um, yeah. yeah i thought that was interesting I like that sentiment because I very much agree. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my stories, like we've discussed this in the past, but like I like it when you leave the character right at the moment they're like, oh, what is going on? And there's, there's no like, oh, don't worry, this happens in the future. Because like if the reader is left unaware of like what this means, they can fill in like the the worst case scenario in their head or whatever. So I I, I like that quote a lot, Julie. That's very that hits close to home. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it keeps them reading. I mean, yeah, if you're exactly. yeah, left at a cliffhanger, you're like, well, now I got to keep going and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> so, you're, yeah. you're never yeah. going to find out, but maybe in the future, a different sort of rules are differently, you know? Cliffhangers are hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, do, do you think you set up a lot in your book, Julie? I don't know. I try to leave the ends of chapters with like a something that, you know, like a thought that would keep in your mind kind of thing. But I don't know if they're really cliffhangers. I don't think I like intentionally put too many cliffhangers in. I just kind of try to end on like a thought-provoking thing, I guess. I Little hooks to like. Keep yeah, them, like... but I don't know if they're cliffhangers though. They're not really. Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like like the work that I've done. I think as a whole, I'm a pretty the the way I think is kind of more complete. And I I think yeah. I do a ba- like a terrible job at it actually. Like if I were to go back, I think I try to have. Like, I know what the conflict and resolution is. And I feel like I often just kind of put that down on the page, which maybe that's something I should I should try to work on is what do I leave out to keep people who are reading it pulled in? I guess uh, the burnt rose, they're not like giant cliffhangers, but because of this, the way the story is structured, there are like miniature cliffhangers, like the scene where 
Uh, Missy's like, oh, okay, I'm giving up on like trying to shake these guys. And like, don't worry, we we got it covered. It goes back to the massage parlor. And then it comes back. They did not have it. They're being shot down or whatever, you know, stuff like that. So I guess that it was like a little yeah. bit of a, but nothing like major or like a missile's flying towards the ship. And I was like, watch out. And then it goes back. Are you okay, sir? You know, that would <laughs> yeah, be yeah. interesting. But <laughs> all right. Uh, what else do we have for? Uh... Well, we got to go to you, Jewel. Oh, we got I kind of already said mine. With I the, see. The scene with the fight scene. That was kind of my point. <laughs> I got you. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Because we did kind of like mixing it with like Kate's parts. I'll have like a, maybe a follow-up question to lead you a bit more there. Steve asked about your your intro fight and everything like that. And I know your, your book as a whole has a lot of just fight sequences that are going on in it. And I think just the the nature of a fight scene is things are going to speed up every time. So you're going to constantly be kind of having to switch the pacing that you're, you're looking at from a, a slow to fast pace. And do you, do you think a lot of your, when going through an editing, that you had a lot of those instances kind of pop up? Or did you kind of yeah. get a bit further on? I don't know. Yeah, I think like the initial, initial like writing of it was kind of like, I don't think the pacing was the best. But then like when editing it, yeah, I think I tried to like cut a lot out of like the fight scenes. And then like add more to like other scenes to like kind of make up for it. To, you know what I mean? But um. Yeah, I think fight scenes are kind of hard. And I think I, in trying to make them seem fast paced, sometimes I would cut out too much. Like another point that my, my sister had made when she read it was that one of the characters uses a sword to fight. And so she was like, you're not describing the sword actions. You know what I mean? Like, so, you're, so she was telling me that I should add more to be more descriptive, to make it more realistic. So she was like, I see what you're doing and trying to make it fast paced and fight scene. But like, if you don't describe the actual movements and things, then the reader can't really visualize it as, you know, very well because it's so vague. So yeah, I also, so I feel like there were parts where I had to take stuff away, like the thoughts of the character during a fight scene to make it better. But then there were also parts where I needed to add something because otherwise it was just like, what is going on in this fight scene? It seems kind of like vague. So yeah, I guess it kind of went both ways for the fight scene specifically. Could you maybe just describe a little bit about like the elements that you're including in fight scenes? Like you said, so that's like sword fighting. Like, is there like, like your world has like magic in it too, right? Yeah. So yeah, so there's magic. Okay. So basically the main bad people are like the main character. She uses magic. She's just like ice magic. Mm, yeah. So I'm describing like ice attacks and like icicle like spears going through necks quickly. Exactly. Well. Yep. And, um, and then the other main character uses the sword mostly. And then you have the assassins. So they use like a power over darkness, but they also use a lot of daggers because they're also assassins. So there's like daggers going on. So things flying through the air going on. And then you got the ice going on and then you got like the darkness going on, which is described a lot similar to like fire. Like it's described as like, like burning since it, like when it, when you get hit with a dark attack, it like it's described as like burning sensations. And like, I, I describe a lot of like how things feel as well. Like as far as injuries, you know what I mean? Like what does that injury feel like kind of thing? So yeah, that's kind of like the main parts that I'm trying to describe. Um, but it is also through the perspective of just the main character. So I, I, I've actually been debating if I wanted to add more, but I don't describe a ton about like the sword, like other people that are fighting with her because she's not focusing on them. She's focusing on her enemy. You know what I mean? So I don't actually describe a ton of like the sword moves because she's not really paying attention to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear that. I, I think... I haven't really written a ton of like fight scenes and I could see them being because I have done some in the game and they yeah. are definitely challenging to write. Yeah. When you see it in like in in cinema or whatever, it it's so easy because it's a, it's a choreographed thing. You're you're looking at it happen. But right. describing that like on paper has always just seemed kind of like daunting and challenging to me. So you doing like a whole book with it seems kind of right on 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 a point for for a pacing episode just because I think that's like so much of it. So I don't know like what what parts of it would you say you find easier to write in a fight scene versus like what's the hardest kind of parts to write? 
Yeah, for sure. I also struggle with it. And I don't want to say that my fight scenes are that great in the book. I don't know what they are. They could be terrible. We'll see. Well, um, Don't tell yourself, yeah. sure, people are going to read the book eventually. Like, oh, the fight scenes might be bad. You got to be like, they're amazing. You're you know? right. They're amazing. I'm the best at fight scenes. Anyway, um, I feel like the um, – I like writing – more of like ranged combat. So like the ice magic type attacks, they're more ranged and more like wide attacks kind of thing. So they'll hit multiple targets. So I feel like those are easier to describe. Whereas if she's in like close combat, like hand to hand combat or like sword to sword combat kind of thing, I feel like you have to describe like the movements more in detail for somebody to picture it. And I feel like that's hard. And that was also a feedback that I got from my sister that, if you don't like you have to be very detailed describing things more when it's hand to hand. So I feel like those are definitely harder because there's more that you have to think about. It's like, unless you're like in a fight, which I'm not ever in. Um, like, I don't really know the exact movements that, Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, cause if it's close combat, it does matter. Where is this person's arm? Where is that person's arm? You know what I mean? Because that would lead into the next, like, a punch or whatever so it, you have to think more detailed about it which i feel like it's really hard i guess kind of going back into the pacing itself how like in real time how quick are like these sword fights because like I, when you think of like a sword fight in like movies are like long and drawn out but in real life a sword fight is like a couple of slashes you know what i mean so i wonder if like that might if how that contributes like to the pacing of it because like if it's like a quick like one two deflect go in you have more time to be like, okay, I brought my sword up. You can describe those three actions in a little bit more detail because the third action is like what ends the entire sequence. You know what I mean? But if it's something more like climactic between two characters who've been building up, it might feel bad if like, oh, this long awaited encounter occurs and it's over, you know? Like I said, the sword stuff, I don't describe a ton because it's not the main character's ability. Yeah, that's fair. So I feel like they're... Yeah, like, I don't really describe them very detailed. Just, like, the first... Like, if she's actively watching the other character fight, then I try to, like, mm-hmm. describe everything. But I feel like in my mind, it's, like, slow, like, slow-mo, like a movie. You know, <laughs> a sword attack. So, but yeah, I feel like when it's on paper, it's definitely not slow-mo. I'd be like, he slashed upward. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not... But in my mind, it's like a movie. But you're right. It definitely translates to like a faster paced thing because it's like, doesn't take that long to go like this. Like, mm-hmm. As if a bungee cord held back the blade. It slowly yeah. moved through the air. <laughs> <this part. laughs> What's the next topic, Julie? Our next topic is looking at the work as a whole. So how are you pacing and thinking about the entire story? I don't know who wants to start. I think. Steve is next? I don't know. I'm trying I to alternate. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. trying you got to have you start one of these ones. Go ahead, Steve. I guess I'll talk about the Burnt Rose one because that one had some very interesting pacing that was going on there because it was kind of cycling between like two different worlds where like in one scene it's like building up, things are getting becoming more and more climactic. And then we intentionally go back to like a massage parlor, which is by its very nature is like slow, like, you know, it's supposed to be like a relaxing environment, at least on its face. As events build up in the massage parlor that is obviously not a common environment but still even then it's more just like an examination not much action is happening it's more of like kind of contemplating what's going on so it was very interesting to kind of pace out that story and so i think my mindset was like i want to like slowly build not slowly i want to build things up when we transition to the uh to the burnt rose and then the second thing is kind of like reach a, like a miniature climax. We break it there almost intentionally. So like the pacing was supposed to be a little bit more jarring because it was supposed to kind of simulate the process of someone daydreaming and then kind of being like brought back to reality. Like, for example, you're daydreaming in class, a teacher calls on you. It's a very jarring process. And you're like now like you're no longer in this fantasy that you're imagining in your mind. You're back into the real world. You have to examine things on like a second to second basis. The pacing was very much done intentionally where there has to be like a slow lull that builds up to the point where he can slowly go back into his like his memories. So the story, obviously, like the intro was like built by Kate. So not much control of the pacing there, but it was a very much 
even in the intro kind of I feel like I matched that that where the pacing was like examining what's going on thinking about what elements are around and the second like his mind kind of wanders it's back to like I, in my mind, like jazz is playing is very much like we were living fast and loose on Mars. And so it's like they're running through corridors and stuff like that. And then you go back to the massage parlor where it's like he's slowly examining, like, why is this character acting like this? Like you have time to like listen to like single parts of the conversation. Like he's contemplating like, okay, she said this. What does that mean? There's not much contemplation going on with the conversation on the burnt rose because it's very much like, okay, Missy's doing this. We got to do that in response to this or whatever. So it was like a whole thing of. I wanted the pace to work to be almost like two different songs playing at the same time. Quickly, slowly, quickly, slowly, crescendo, crescendo of a slower piece. And so when I think about the pacing of that story, I think that was paced. I'm very satisfied with the pacing on that because it was very much a whole quick draw, quick draw, you know. So that was kind of like what I was going for that story. And I think for the most part, I, I did a good job achieving that. You did. I agree. I I think you were ultimately building up to two different climaxes that were like meant to be reached at almost the same exact time. Like, yeah, exactly. Resolution on the burnt rose happens simultaneously with the revelation that this person is from Mars who's giving him Mm -hmm. the Did you think it was harder to write like at the slower pace or at the faster pace? Like, which one do you like to write better? I guess. That's a good question. Well, I guess a lot of my works are more, they're not that action oriented in terms of like their overall scale. So thinking of like the second planet, the work I'm currently working on, the child great collapse. there's not much like missiles flying, like, oh, we're in the middle of like a war zone kind of thing. So the stuff back at the massage parlor was a more natural pace, but I, I had a good time kind of doing the bombastic the bombastic events on the burnt rose when everything is popping off and the ship is under attack it was kind of hard to keep things like keep a frantic pace to it um i had like i had i almost called him rio i had willow like dashing through corridors he's not even like taking time to like properly stop he's like running into walls like slows momentum and so i think it was at some points it was almost like too cartoonish how frantic i was trying to keep the pace but at the same time i'm not sure if i was like completely conveyed so I'm not sure if I like executed it 100%, but I do feel like just the language that's used, and, like the imagery that's kind of conjured it, the imagery itself helps with the pacing when the words themselves aren't doing that good of a job. Because you do start in the middle of the fray, it doesn't build up to it. So I guess that it was a little bit of a cheat where they're not like, oh, we have, by the time we get to there, they're already like, the ship's already like well in the way of being assaulted. So as kind of a, a you know a viewer a spectator of your work there um a kind of notice of maybe what you prefer we did have a deadline for this so that's a little biased yeah you cranked out a lot of pages for this and not a lot of time and i know you've said in the past and i've we've witnessed that it can take some time for you to produce Mm, other works Mm, yeah producing so maybe you enjoy some of the more fast-paced elements that the fast-paced stuff was because it's not like when it's something slower, it has to be like, I don't want to say like more cerebral and like in a, like a pompous kind of way, but more like each line has to like contribute to a way of like building an environment. Building like a fast paced environment is like, you just make it frantic, you know? So it's easy, like frantic is an easier, at least initially, frantic seems like an easier mood to build within a story because there's like shorter sentences, quick action. You don't linger on one specific scene for too long. Like one action is deliberated. deliberated more than it needs to be it's more of just like people are basically acting on instinct where a lot of my stories like for example the trial of great collapse was like political theater being used as a way to kind of like slow down a character's attempt to quickly but efficiently relay information that's saying guys the universe is like not operating the way that we expected at all so that one is like weird to like keep engaging because it's supposed to simulate both a lecture and a representative government engaging in like politics, which is like both of those things are like you fall asleep the second you hear it. So it's very hard keeping a good story that conveys like what I'm trying to convey in that. So the pacing in that one has been very tough. And so I've had to like add elements of like as I've continued, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. 
we're, we're all excited to hear it, Steve. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. That's like the most hyped up story. Like, I feel like you've talked I, I about the Kyle Castle this whole gonna, podcast. It's going to suck. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. No, I'm so no, excited. No, no. I'm, I'm already like, I at the start of the year, I'm like, I committed only work on one story until it's done. I've been eyeballing. Maybe I switch over to the Court of, uh, the court of Worms early, you know, but I got to I got to finish this story. Tune in next week for Steve saying, I'm abandoning the trial of Great Glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, it's my uh, white whale, you know? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Julie, how about yourself? Work as a whole. I think that I put too many things in my story. So, like, I feel like I add too much and, like, have too much going on, which I don't know if it's, like, a fast – I guess it's pretty fast-paced. Like, I think my stories, like, this, the Elemental Darkness in general is – a fast paced like story because there's a lot going on. Like there's a lot of different things. They go from one thing to the next. Like there's not really a lot of like breaks in between. So I think overall it's fast paced and I actually ended up cutting stuff out. And the other thing that I got feedback on was how like it wasn't clear what the timeline was for the story. Like I didn't put anything about like timing specifically in the story just because I didn't feel like it was necessary because it's like a fantasy world and time doesn't really matter that much. You know, like it's fine. But then I was told it was like made it less clear. So then I had to like add back in like specific timing elements. Like it took a week to travel to this place. You know what I mean? So I feel like that kind of slowed down the timeline because I think it was like so fast that it was like, what is going on kind of thing. So it was a lot of edit. Like, I guess this goes, we're going to talk about this later with corrective actions, but yeah, I think I try to like make it so engaging to the reader and have so much going on that it ends up being like too fast and you're missing a bunch of stuff. I think that's kind of happens to me. I think if you're doing a fantasy kind of world, it is important that you still have some basic laws that you do need to follow. So right. I remember like the uh, like the latest seasons of Game of Thrones received like a ton of pushback because characters were like teleporting around the world in like a day. And like in the past, yeah. they have an entire season of somebody just walking across the continent, basically. So, yeah, I think I, I really think being a fantasy world is like not an excuse for saying it doesn't matter. If you're attempting to create a world, you know, that that shit is important. You, you got to figure out how are they getting there? Is that is it feasible for them to make that journey? And is that its story and it's in its own? So. Exactly. That's definitely something I had to look at in terms of the pacing for this is like, how long does traveling take? Like, that was really the main thing was like, because they travel across like this country multiple times. So yeah, that was a big thing for me is that but um, also the other point I had was with outlining, I feel like I don't outline ahead of time, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> but I think later on kind of creating an outline, even once you started a little bit. So just like say like, how many things are happening in each chapter? Like, is there like 10 things happening in this chapter? And then the next chapter, there's one thing happening. Like, that's mm -hmm. kind of an odd pacing. You know what I mean? To kind of like even out, like how many different things are you putting in each chapter? And, you know, if you want one chapter to be faster paced than the next, that's fine. Otherwise, kind of evening them a little bit to make the story flow better. So that's another thing I had to look at. Does, does your map include one of those like one inches, 10 miles no. kind of thing or anything like that? <laughs> It doesn't, no. I feel like I actually researched this because my sister said the same thing. She said I should put one on there. And then I was looking it up, and I, from what I found, most fantasy maps act, do not put it in there because I guess it's a fantasy world, so they didn't, I guess it doesn't need to have, like, that specific detail. You should so make I up, like, a fantasy unit of measurement. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense, but you're like, this is what we use, don't ask me. As you get further from the capital, the, the distance doubles. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, like the world is like so flat and un you li they live on like an ovoid. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. if you're by the poles, like <laughs> <laughs> one foot, that's going to take three hours. Yeah, like you're going downhill no matter in all directions right. is downhill from wherever you're standing. <laughs> yeah, who didn't go? Who, who's next? The thought that I had was with the story, The Buzz, which quick little refresher there you have these characters that are representing the horsemen of the apocalypse and i think the the main one is is the dad who is this like ultimately like a serial killer guy he has like no emotion um so you're seeing these terrible things happen to the family around him uh but the way he's responding to them is very blankly and i think he is 
meant to be the most compelling part of the story. But when I started writing it, I wanted each of the characters to have kind of their own arc throughout the story. And I didn't really get so far in the book. And I'm wondering if maybe I'm trying to have too many stories going on at a single time that their kind of arcs, and I guess maybe this will end up going into our next question here a little bit, but the individual arcs of the characters started to seem like they were overshadowing the arc of the story that I was trying to tell. The The bulk of it is supposed to happen once they all get to this like cabin. And I'm like six chapters in with like a ton of stuff going on and we haven't even gotten to the cabin yet. So like that, what I want the story to be, I haven't even started telling because I wanted to have these other kind of build up elements to it. So I'm wondering, you know, and something I'll maybe go back and edit once I try to dive back into it because I haven't worked on it in a while. If I'll start to kind of exclude some of those elements because how it's making the actual pacing of the story feel, I think might be removing from what I want the story to be. Yeah, I think that's valid. I think sometimes that can happen when there's a lot of characters. There's just a lot of characters in that book, right? Like five or something? Yeah, and I think they're all meant to be pretty central to the story. So when you have that that much going on, that is a ton to kind of put into a single work there. It does remind me of, there have been times in the past where like I know a book is like revolving around something, but it takes a while to get there. So I, there have been times where I'm like, did I grab the wrong book? Because it takes a while to get to like what you think the story is supposed to be. So you never want to like have too much of a build that the people don't know what you're kind of building up to. You know what I mean? Cade, do you have different perspectives? Like is each yeah. chapter from a different... Yeah, so I feel like that's a problem in, with books that have multiple perspectives like that. Because I wanted to do that for the the next book that I'm writing, which is going to be the prequel to An Element of Darkness. I was going to do that. I was going to have three different perspectives. But then I just felt like it was taking too long. I was like, how do you, like, it's going to end up so long because there's like to get to the goals. So I feel like that's definitely hard to do. And I kind of abandoned it and was like, I'm just going to do this in one perspective because I don't think this is going to work. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like it's hard. I definitely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I I like the idea of it a lot, but yeah, you're right. It ended up being like, whatever, five different perspectives. And I don't think I was doing some of the characters, so maybe it was only going to be like three or four. But you end up writing like three or four stories, and then we get into what Steve was trying to do with The Burnt Rose, um, which he did very well. But now you're juggling more and more pieces where you're trying to have these stories that are reaching a climax at like the same point. And without a solid outline, that seems like it's almost an impossible task to do. I wonder... One thing like uh, some stories do is like in order to get to like the point that they want to quicker, they'll go back and explore, have like background scenes happen as flashbacks after the fact, like kind of like in the very beginning, at least kind of like jumble the timeline where it's like, okay, chapter three actually takes place after chapter two when they've traveled. So they have time to get things rolling and they're like, okay, we can have a little bit of a lull here because things have been building up. Let's go back and explore this character's background. So you can have like those scenes that you, instead of front loading all those scenes at once in order to help the pacing of like the way you describe the story, Kate, there's like a, like a pretty steady buildup of things getting like worse and worse. It might be a good thing. Like maybe in order to like get the reader to come back down so that like they're not used kind of like, you know, almost manipulate them a bit you throw in slower build-up scenes and then you go back to the modern day and it's like, oh, we're, we're picking back up again, you know? Might help break up the pacing a little bit even. Maybe what I'll try to do going back to it, because like that first chapter, I, I like the first chapter and that deals with the eldest son basically commits suicide and is found by the parents. Maybe like the second chapter will be going to the cabin and you like have this huge time jump. Because before what I was doing is you see it's still a time jump, but it's it's closer to the event, and it's more of the like immediate impact, and you're seeing... I think there's actually one chapter where I think the sisters are finding out about it, but they have like their own thing going on, so there's like this different story looking at what they're doing. So maybe I'll just kind of jump ahead, go to the cabin, set up the actual scene of the book, and then do exactly that, some flashbacks. Yeah, or you could have like that first scene that you were just saying, where the, the son commits suicide. That could be like like a prologue. And then hmm. chapter one is the time stamp. And then you're like, now they're in a cabin remembering back when, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could do that too. I like it. I like it. Thanks guys. How much time do you put? Cause this was my issue 
when I was trying to do multiple perspectives, how much time do you put like between each character's storyline? Like, are they all happening at the same time? Like when you're with the one character, is the next chapter with the different character supposed to be happening at the same time? Or is it happening like, uh, you know, later so that it's still like time is still moving between, you know what I mean? It's, it all depends on what is exactly happening. If it, because obviously the characters will all exist together. So if they're not mm-hmm. seen together, it's not like they're just like blankly staring at a wall. So sometimes you need it to be like simultaneously happening. And it just depends on where you're at in the story. I don't think you can concretely say one or the other. It'll be interesting because like once the kind of shit starts to really hit the fan in that book, they're all at that cabin. So a lot of the stuff is going to be happening on top of each other. So it'll be kind of like a map of like, well, where is this character while this is happening to this other character? And does that make sense? It'll be something I'll have to kind of pay attention to. But I'm really hoping yeah. to, I'm going to, you know, I'll give myself on the podcast some some concrete uh, deadlines. But starting next month, I want to get back into that story. Picker for me doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to have goals. Yeah, no, it's good to have goals. But like, I was like, by April, the story's done. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's not that close. <laughs> <laughs> it's June. <laughs> yeah. Now we're in competition, Steve. It's not now. Yeah, there we, we go. have there said go. it out here. So <laughs> if I do it and you don't do it, how's that going to look? It'll look on character, on brand for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next topic is corrective actions for when you feel like the pacing is off in your story. So how do you think about that and what kind of changes would you usually make? We'll start with Steve. What do you think? Yeah. So once again, we're going to go back to the story that I've been hyping up. That's going to be basically whatever when it comes out. We're going to go to the uh, the Trial of Great Collapsal. Um, this one has been very interesting. Part of the reason um, it's taken a while to work on the story is because the initial idea that I have for the story is just an alien that's part of this representative government describes like this through like this process of like this hearing basically that this planet has the super intelligence and evidence kind of points to the fact that like this form of intelligence is like prevalent throughout the galaxy. But the process of just telling a story where basically someone lectures to a hall of people after I almost immediately was like, this is a very, very boring story, even though I think the topic itself is very interesting in order to get to that point, there has to be like a buildup to it. And the buildup is just like, revealing more and more information in a matter of fact way i was like well that's very boring so the pacing of it was very like dry very slow um get the information out in an effective manner but at the same time they have to until people stop playing the political game maneuver through it and the entire time they're stressed out so i decided to improve the pacing that i felt was dragging on by actually adding more elements to the story but these elements are political intrigue in a sense that's stressing out the character to like an unseen level because they're trying to keep a calm facade but at the same time they're like oh if i do this this party is going to create a storm and it's going to make uh more issues for me down the line and i really need to convey to everyone how serious the situation is so we have on the outside different parties bickering and the protagonist having to in a calm and like almost like teacherly manner circumvent these scenarios while at the same time they have like an internal sense of like drowning in the weight of like this paradigm shift within like the galaxy so steve this story is going to be too intellectual for myself it sounds way more convoluted than i highfalutin than it actually is and i'm like is the story gonna be longer than that or <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically yeah i don't know you just wrote it now you see like why the story is like tough to like for me to get out because i'm that's like that's a hard task you're setting for yourself i know it is compared to like the sunken planet what i'm going for here is more highfalutin but at the same time it's going to sound very boring because there's going to be a lot of like well you see uh collapsal seems to be displaying something known as a super intelligence that can form when a super organism such as a uh, you social organ and it's like how do you keep that like not boring you know I-, I think you don't worry about that like boring element to it like yeah. it's a, I, I think if you fully commit to what this story is and just like the absurdity that you're writing this kind of thing, but like stick to the, like the core idea of it, like I think that's where that story because it is it's gonna be so niche. You yeah, know what I mean? but I think, yeah. 
but going back to the pacing, I do want it to be engaging while you're going through like this whole dry dialogue. Because like I want there to be a reason that you read the story, but I don't want it to be like superficial. And I think as I was adding these elements, I think it actually adds to the story as a whole because I want to show, um, I want to show like the basically the story is saying like oh like kind of going to the climax of the story. They kind of realize like if. Because they encounter this planet by chance, this planet that's like inhabited by like this singular super intelligence that's consisting of like a youth social or like youth social collective of organisms, but they're not, they're not one creature. It's like an entire planet where every single little thing on it contributes to like one hive intelligence. And so they're like, oh, if we can just bump into this on accident, that means like out there there's more of these. And their s- structure of intelligence is better than ours. Because war individuals have to like kind of push and pull against each other. And so I want the story itself to kind of convey that idea without us me saying like, oh, our structure is like super inefficient. So I want these interruptions within the government, which is like supposed to be like the highest form of organization individuals can have because it's people imposing organization on other people. But even in this society of like these super advanced aliens, they're still bickering and fighting with each other because they're, they are still individuals with their own motivations and their own drives. Whereas, like, Collapsal is one entity that can span over, like, countless planets. It doesn't have to, like, argue with itself or different parts of itself because it's all unified under one thought. And so I want the story, as it's kind of developed, the story itself is supposed to show, like, if you have two different types of intelligence... Like the individual that has convinced other individuals within a society or use social organisms that can directly con- communicate between its different parts. I want the whole like juddery, like this person is trying to convey a super important piece of information, but they're constantly having to stop and go. Like I want the like the, the kind of like staggering st- nature of the story to kind of convey the point of like this right here is inefficient. I should have just been able to say this is what's going on. And it's a problem, but because of like the fact that I have to convince you guys and like cater to different like goals and ideals, I had to spend all this time to convey a simple point. And so I wanted to be the story itself is saying like this is why the collapsal situation is as big of a deal as it is. Yeah, I think I think for for the story that you're going for, I think language is going to be. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest hurt because like I think almost it sounds like almost every sentence needs to be like a very kind of thought out portion mm-hmm. to it. Yes, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. To to create the seating uh, the the scenes that you're trying to go for it. So yeah, I don't know. It, it sounds like a wild task you're giving yourself. It's it's that, tough. Yeah, yeah, I believe in you and you can do it. And I'm excited. I appreciate to it. I feel like it'd be interesting though. Like so, you're saying you have a narrative of the mm-hmm. meeting, and then you yes. have like the character's thoughts on like the other people well it's more okay so the character like what's the thing you're injecting into between the discussion yeah so um so basically since it's like an assembly government of like different different so it's not one alien species this is like we're different like representative of different like alien empires meet to kind of like work together basically but they're still like for example like say like the Martians, this isn't it, but like, say, like the Martians, like they are trying to like elevate their position with the assembly because they, they, they're not yet of the opinion that the assembly is going to be like obsolete. So they're like, oh, you know, I want to kind of like convey how important the Martian delegation is. So right. they'll try to interject with like, okay, clearly um, standing doesn't matter to like the narrator. So I can start butting in. And kind of making myself seem smarter and like contribute to the discussion, but like the people from Jupiter are like, "Oh no, like I thought we were still on the on the assumption that the Martians should be censored in the assembly because of their actions that they did last week or whatever, and so they're like stuff like that is going on, and the narrator has to be playing the role of like the impassive teacher who is only here to convey information, but at the same time has to respect the fact that if uh, okay. they misstep. It's going to like infuriate one party or another to a point where it becomes like discussion is going to break down. So they're trying to balance discussion while at the same time, like not play to one side or another until the point where people realize, oh, the sides don't really matter because of the fact that we're bickering about this while out there in the universe, countless like 
super intelligences are taking over planets in the dark and we have no way of seeing them because they communicate internally. They don't like broadcast radio waves like we do when we communicate. Indicates that like we have no idea what's going on out there, but we are not equipped to deal with it because of our, you know, combative nature as individuals, you know? I don't think it's gonna be boring because you're doing like if you just perspectivize it where you're thinking about like each like showcasing almost yeah. like each mm-hmm. different one. What do you mean saying it's gonna no, be no, no, I think it's gonna be great. No, yeah, the way I'm describing it now, I think that's what I want to convey. But uh, yeah. the pacing of it is like what's gonna be important because I want it to be like I want the information to be presented in a relatively quick manner, but I want it to be almost like things are kind of coming off the hinges until like people start realizing more and more. And so I've, I've started writing like the climax of the scene already where like, because this is an assembly government, they're supposed to like, basically the crux of the story is Collapsal has come to the assembly and is like, because it's been in contact with the, like, it's before it wasn't aware of like the fact that there's other entities out there, but now that it's aware, it's like, okay, I'm just like a single planet. You guys are like super advanced, like, Aliens or whatever. So I want to come to you guys and let you know I'm planning on turning my biomass into like a mechanical biomass so I can communicate with myself across multiple planets. And so, but doing so is going to transform like the way I think completely and it might become hostile to you in the future. Who knows? And so that's like the pretense of the trial. And like, they're going to be like, oh, we don't want to do that. We shouldn't allow this. Or like, but if we don't allow it, what is this? But they're like, and then they're like, oh, it doesn't matter what we decide because Collapsal is just one of like a million as far as we're aware of. And so we'll just agree to it because at the very least, Collapsal is like like not malevolent to us. Whereas the entities out there, we've never encountered them. So they might just wipe us away. So at least Collapsal is on, at the moment, our side. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I believe in you, Steve. Thank it's gonna you. be a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the corrective going back to the question, the corrective action has been interjecting politics, which at first were kind of like me just trying to like spice up the story, but adding these like moments of like political intrigue and like interruption has actually contributed more to the story because it kind of conveys the point that I'm trying to say in a more efficient way than me just saying, like, oh, the reason collapsal is better than us is because. It's one intelligence. So, yeah, so the corrective actions actually help convey what I'm trying to say without me having to say it out outright, you know? Mm, showing versus telling. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. What do you got? Corrective actions. I think we were just talking about this, Julie, on the little intermission we just took during this episode here. But I was thinking about the buzz, and I think one of the biggest hurdles that I was saying was all the different kind of characters start arcs that were going on at the same time and paralleling them so they line up together. And I was thinking about my experience writing this Candlelit Night short story and how I really enjoyed it. And I thought that I I was pretty proud of the work that I created. I thought it did the story that I wanted to tell. Um, it was self-contained and I was able to kind of get that build up and that payoff in a short period of time uh, pretty effectively. So I was thinking, what if I kind of take that element and bring it I'm just thinking of this now, so let me know what you guys think. But taking that element into the buzz where I have these different stories that are going on and I'm struggling, and what's been one of my biggest holdups is linking them together so they create one like coherent and fluid story. But what if I were to just take individual segments and the ideas that I have for them, turn them into short stories, but have like a short story compilation of the bigger book that I have that I'm telling. So maybe that story of the son committing suicide is like the start of it and it becomes a collection of individual stories rather than a single story that I'm trying to tell. I like I like that idea a lot personally. But I'm mm-hmm. like obviously I'm biased because I love short stories. But like I do like short stories can be like one collective story because like the endings can always like tie back to the same event or whatever you know so i think like the idea of like multiple stories that like kind of have the same like apex and like then maybe there is a story that is like just like from the like an outside perspective of like the big event that's happening i think that's like a really creative idea i think that's a really cool way of doing a story yeah it just kind of came to me i was like i don't this doesn't feel like it's been done very much yeah into like like an anthology, but also not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I think that'd be very cool. I support the AA 100%. Plus, like, coming from a new perspective always does help, like, reinvigorate, like, the drive to do, like, a creative project, you know? Because, like, at this point, like, the buzz has been, like, you know, you've been mired in and you're like, I don't know how to get back into it. And, like, maybe, like, you don't get back into it the way you were. Just write short stories, like, for example, the one you just wrote for Candle and Nights, you know, you can just get into it, have it be its own standalone thing, so you don't have to worry about, like, when do I break it to go here or there? You just do like from start to end, and then you okay. Next onto the next piece. I think that will be. I think that'd be great. Um, maybe that's what yeah. we'll be seeing in the future. Plus, that would shift the tide a lot. So it would be two short story writers ah. versus one like long form author. Yeah, and we can bully Julie more. Well, I, I, I do feel like my my hopes of uh, keeping up with Julie are. I, I'm going to get overshadowed very fast. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, your stories are great. Uh, Julie, you got anything for corrective action or anything else on, on, on mine? Uh, no, I just think your idea is a great idea. <laughs> I think that that would be really interesting. And you could add more perspectives. You should like have the perspective of like, anything that's involved. So you could have like any character and like, like the dog. Do they have a dog? Have like a perspective of like, the dog watching it. <laughs> they do <laughs> now. Like Odin. <laughs> Odin. The dog named Odin. <laughs> He observes them all being crazy and is like, what are they doing? <laughs> if it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the dog can be conquest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that'd be good though. That'd be interesting to see. And then we can read them all on the podcast. We'll have a uh, exhibition of Cade's short stories. Short stories are better for the podcast. This is true. It's very true. Very, I'm a writer on podcast writer now. Yep, that's, that's why I've, I've written like 20 <laughs> complete words of fiction and I'm the most representative despite Julie having like books, you know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we have easier for the podcast. It's true. All right, Julie, what, what you got? What, what can you tell us about this uh, corrective action here? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton. I feel like I've talked about a lot of it before, but yeah, really just like, you know, I usually create an outline after the fact of the book and then I'll look at, you know, like what's happening and either add stuff, take stuff away. I took a lot of stuff out from like the first couple versions of this book to like where it is now. There was like a lot of, I just felt like if it wasn't adding to the book, there's no like purpose. Like there were certain like side things that I had in there where like at the end of the day, I was like, "Mm, I don't feel like it's really adding anything to the characters or adding anything for the reader. So I think I just looked at like, that kind of stuff. And I was like, is this distracting? Like, is it making things slow down? Is it making it like too much go on? So it feels like it's too crazy. And like, just like that kind of stuff, really just mostly taking stuff out or or, like adding, I will say I added more like, I guess this is more story than like pacing, but I added more the character, like character development type stuff to like, show that which i guess makes it slower because it's less action when you're spending scenes on specifically like the relationship between two characters you know what i mean so i guess that slows it down i think in this episode we've talked a lot about pacing in fast scenes but that's not what pacing is pacing is also looking at those slow scenes that you're having there so it's just that balance of when do you slow things down versus when do you speed things up so you you do You, you need those segments right there where you're building the characters and sometimes you just need to take the time to do that, which, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not wrong. It's just, it's more of an idea of when do you do it. Definitely. And I added a lot of, like, world building, too. I think, so, like, especially in the beginning of the story, I, like, had a lot of action. And then, like, my sister was telling me that I didn't, I should be explaining more of the world and slow down the first couple of chapters to let the reader, like, be introduced to the world and, like, un- like get their mind around, like, where the setting is. So yeah, I think a lot of it was like, I definitely added more to slow things down than anything else when I was editing this book. That's, that's all I really had for corrective action. That's Are we are we on the, the papyrus, the off the papyrus? Let's get on off the papyrus. Let's get on it. I, I actually, I don't, I don't even think I really have anything, maybe a little thing, but I think we talked about it mostly, so. I have a couple, I have a few. Hit us with it. Yeah, yeah. what's your first one? One thing I wanted to do, uh, especially Julie, but Kate, actually you as well, because you guys, unlike me, I don't really have like full length character arcs, but a character arc is also something that's to get like kind of paced out. You touched on it a little bit, Julie, um, but do you guys want to go a little bit more into like how you pace a character's art specifically, like main characters or side characters? 
obviously it's like off the pub virus so relatively quickly but like a full length question like all right quickly uh you know. <laughs> quickly explain everything <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean i think in general for me i like to have like pivotal moments for the character to drive them along so i guess like and for the main character it really follows the story so like you know like if there's a lot going on you know the character's like freaking out about stuff and like you know developing i get you know like improving faster or whatever but really i like to have like i'm probably like not much as far as like developing and like changing and stuff and then like there's this pivotal moment they kind of like abruptly are like oh this is i gotta do this now so yeah i think it's more of like points where they're changing as opposed to like a gradual change for me so i guess that's like i don't know if you'd consider that fast or slow but yeah that's kind of how i have my character set up for both side and main characters there's always like yeah. events yeah and you have anything yeah. for that Cade? yeah i mean i think with the main character i would i benefit and try to from outlining their their kind of progress and i do i want it to kind of align with um the general feel of the story so the the main characters because i have a lot of character driven pieces um should be kind of peaking at the same point that the story is um side characters i I guess it depends on the story and how how central they are to it. If they if they are quite central, agreed, Julie. It's kind of the same where they they follow the main. But there's some side characters who I think I almost create with their scene as their purpose. Um, I don't know. Something that just came into mind was like I have this like priest character who's in the game, who like you kind of hear about him like being in this like like somewhere in this big estate is a like chapel kind of room um and his almost kind of like whole purpose you know he exists but his whole character arc is just the scene that he's in so that's that balance of you know what's the purpose of the character towards the story yeah and like how often they're in the story i don't want to keep dragging on about this but it's also how often they're in the story like i'll have characters where you'll see them chapter two and then you won't really see them again till like chapter 10 so it's kind of like i feel like it's harder to like develop those characters and like make their pacing because it's like you really see them like three times so you're really just what's the pacing in that scene for that character (laughs) like that's kind of all they are (laughs) yeah do we want to like rotate who asks a question it's like if someone has like a bunch you just go through go go, go again steve i got one for you Cade, and i got one for you julie okay so Cade. so we've talked about obviously like a candle at night um drowned ginger and everything and so we've discussed like your scene for the climax of it how so you you discussed like you would change the pacing so like are there certain things now like that you've had time to think about it like you want to like add to like change the pacing to that scene i think i ended up actually getting it to a point that i did like where i left it like i think some of the bigger changes that I would make to the story would actually be some of the actual story elements like stuff that happened rather than the stuff that happened and how I told it. Mm -hmm. But it was just kind of a notice that I had a hard time with actually doing that scene. Like, yeah, I I see that I had to really think about it. I had to say like, you know, this, I want this to be fast paced, but still descriptive. How do you, how do you get that balance there? So like, you know, he's running through the hall and he's like witnessing that now there's candles, like all, like it's just a line of candles and he's just following this, um, this Rova has no idea how it's come and you don't really hear his thoughts and like why that was he didn't have time to think he's trying to escape but obviously it's like eh, that's fucking weird yeah. um, so where it ended up landing is something that I was happy with okay that makes sense and it, it was a good climax so yeah alright and Julie for you question yeah. So I know you were talking about like how sometimes you're like, I don't know exactly how to describe the motions of a, yeah. like the, like, especially the sword fight scenes. Have mm-hmm. you ever, cause I've done like, sometimes like when I'm going to do like, like I'm drawing something for art or whatever, like I'll act stuff out. Have you ever acted out like a scene? There's like a quick, like, like you have the fight scene in your head, like maybe record it and like have someone like, Hey, we're just going to act out like a quick fight scene and then like watch it back. And then like, see what sticks out in your head like how you describe it you know what i mean i have not but that sounds like a great idea i should do that <laughs> yeah i've seen that other writers do that like i've seen like you know like 
like Instagram reels or something that are like, when you're a writer and you are acting out scenes that somebody likes, like, what are you doing? So I feel like <laughs> definitely people do that. Yeah. I think <laughs> but, it's pretty yeah. helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to, yeah, that's a good idea. See, you learn something every day when you're on the Writer Round podcast. Go. Always. Always. <laughs> like what motions you're noticing, like how would you describe it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to do that. It's a good idea. I'm in. Steve, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're talking about morals. What drives a character? What is their internal motivation? And how does that manifest throughout the world? And what is the author trying to say through the story that they're presenting? These questions and more will be answered next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram. At the Right Around Pod. Okay, at the Right Around Pod. I think that's so many other social media. We have a YouTube channel. Yeah, also... Also, the right around time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good week. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>